Hey y'all, this is a preview to the latest premium subscriber only episode to Champagne Sharks. So what you're hearing is a small clip of a longer episode that is available over on patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. And it's available to premium subscribers who pay $5 a month. And if you want to hear the rest of the episode, go over to patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks and subscribe for only $5 a month. You get not only access to this episode in its entirety, but to the whole backlog of premium episodes, which at this point is over 100 episodes at this point. So it's a great deal. So without further ado, here is the preview. And I hope we see you on the other side at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks, where you can hear the rest. And so now look at where Star Wars is. Everyone's, I feel like everyone's sick of Star Wars. Star Wars is dead. Yeah, it really is. One of the problems is the new generic fan that they get. These type of people are not the kind of people who become real fanatics for franchises. So, for Precisely. example, the fans that became Star Wars fans in the first place became fans of just the whole franchise. If there was extended universe canon, they wanted to get that. They wanted to get um, they wanted to get comic books or whatever. Like Last Jedi fans, for whatever reason, they think they think that mu- that movie is so genius. They just seem to be like Ryan Johnson in that movie. They they aren't even really excited about anything else unless another movie comes out that pushes their buttons that same way. You know, like, for example, Baby Yoda happened. I wouldn't even say they even like the Mandalorian. I think just like Baby Yoda. They went out and bought Baby Yoda toys. But uh, f- for the most part, once that particular movie's over, they're looking for the next Marvel movie. They're looking for the next... Um, prestige tv show like none of them really get hooked i I, to me i don't think anyone from the sequel trilogy who's a fan of it uh who came in because of those things has really gotten the star wars bug you know they might like certain movies they might uh ship ray and kylo ren or something or zero in on one particular aspect like like baby yoda toys and stuff but uh they're not thinking about star wars again until the next particular product um, grabs them. They don't have some kind of insatiable love of the thing where they're in the downtime um, looking for something to, to consume from it that, that, or something or, or having debates on, on uh, forums or stuff about it. You know what I, you know what I mean? Like the kind of fans they're getting are very fair weather casual, I think. Well, there's a, there's a certain, and this is something that I don't think the corporation, like the more corporate mindset doesn't understand when like, like you mentioned prestige TV. So let's take say breaking bad or, Game of Thrones. These are shows that maybe started off a little slow, but over time, because they kind of stuck to their guns, they built an incredible fan base and they became sensations. But what the corporate the corporate mindset, what they thought was, okay, like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones was so popular, so now we have to find the next Game of Thrones. We have to make our shows like Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad. We have to make our, like when Breaking Bad came out, that idea of the anti-hero Outside of maybe like Tony Soprano, it, it like Walter White as a character was something so new that we had never seen on TV before. And that's what made it so amazing. And what these corporate people the Breaking thought. Back Reddit, sorry, the Breaking Back Reddit is still uh, pretty active. I, I, yeah, I, I thought you were you're done talking. I'm sorry. Um, oh, no, it's no problem. But it's, it's, that's the whole thing. It's like it's, they become these everlasting culture figures. And what the corporate mindset thinks is like, oh, we have to make our new show like Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones, not understanding that the reason that Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones became such sensations is because they were unlike anything on TV at the time. 
Game of Thrones was something that was like, like, oh my God, like this is like fantasy, but like everyone loves it. And it's like, like you said, it's like really, tr- it's, it's treating its audience with respect. And we liked it because it's something new. But I don't want five other series that are exactly like this show because then it makes it not special. I want something else new. I want something that is really weird and something that is completely out there. That's what the people want. They just don't want the exact same thing they love repackaged 15 times until it's just like everything else. Speaking of that, as someone who just reread uh, Watchmen to refresh myself about it, the most jarring thing about going from Watchmen, the TV series, to the graphic novel or the the, the maxi series I, I gotta get that right the the maxi series is very steeped in different things it's very steeped in um what i would call like horror horror the um from what from how leslie described lovecraftian horror to me i've never read uh lovecraft but i felt like the the tales of the black freighter reminded me of how um leslie just um described lovecraftian lovecraftian horror where there's yeah, a lot of it- is, anxiety is, and yeah 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 it, it is and alan moore is a huge lowcraft you know fan reader scholar um he incorporates a lot of that into his work even his superhero comic even a pirate comic lowcraft didn't write pirate stories but uh alan moore adapted some of those storytelling elements to a pirate stories. now of course the pirate stories influence the original pirate stories influence lovecraft so it's all you know connected uh y- yeah yeah, so it's very steeped in that. If you know what to look for, uh, there's a lot of things from the comic book world and the superhero world that are in there that if you know a lot about comic book history and those things, it's rewarding. But they're not like Easter eggs that call attention to themselves. They either suck you out of the story or leave you confused if you don't know about those things. But it is unashamed to be of a of a world. And that that's something that I think a lot of these classic properties are. They're very unashamed to be of a world or a type like you know like superhero comics that are unashamed to be superhero comics and whatever and that trend that mac is talking about of where people buy these popular products with um fan bases and then try to strip anything that they think might alienate um a normie instead of having faith that a normie might be able to get it is what really struck me as a contrast is Watchmen the series feels very marginally about superheroes it doesn't really seem to be it could be any prestige tv show it doesn't feel rooted or drawn from anything except past prestige tv shows it feels more like the leftovers than it feels like owing a debt to superhero stuff it's not in dialect with superhero stuff i guess i mean maybe the closest is maybe nolan's batman and that scene where they have the vigilante go to the bank but like for example like when they have the superhero tv show in the show within the show it's not a superhero show it's just a prestige show the reference is just a prestige Mm -hmm. tv is not to actual superhero tv yeah yeah yeah, that's a great point and that kind of goes back to um when you're talking about um like with Game of Thrones, when it first came out, one of the big things was it, one of the, regardless of like the fancy elements, one of the things that stuck out to people was how realized this world was. Like, oh, we're actually like this is a fantasy series, but there's a talk, there's like a lot of talk about politics and and sort of like and culture and like that sort of like sociological aspect of it. And I think that's what really set it apart. It's like, oh wow, like this is actually something we've never seen before. And then of and. Uh, Lindsay Ellis actually did a great video essay on Game of Thrones, and she talked about this, how the later seasons got rid of that. 
in like seasons five and six, they stopped talking about like the the dichotomy of like the North and the South. They stopped talking about like the different cultures and different lands. It became more like any other basic TV show where it's about romance and like, will they, won't they crap, you know? And it just became like every, over the course of the years as they went on, as they ran out of source material, it just became like you said, every other prestige TV show. I'm out of thoughts on, on this. I'm, I'm, I'm drained from thinking about it, but if anybody has any final um, thoughts or I, I feel bad that I made you guys relive this. Because um, <laughs> I feel like you guys have probably purged this demon. Uh, um, anything for you, T man. We got you back. I'm just glad it. to know that I'm not the only one who my analysis were like, you know, you didn't like it because you know you're racist or whatever, you know, some crap like that. Whereas, like, no, that actually isn't my. I actually think the show is very regressive. I don't think it's woke at all. And but I was very glad to hear that I wasn't the only one who was in that camp. Thank goodness. I was. I thought I was going yeah. nuts. I felt very, I felt very gaslit by seeing a lot of um, critics. I mean, it made a lot more sense when I found out how many of them got jobs uh, in the past from um, Lindelof. I'm convinced a lot of people probably write criticism like that now in hopes of getting to cross over into. Yeah, it was it was really weird because it seemed like every criticism we had on the show, people would pick apart stuff. But whenever I mentioned explicitly the fact that Damon Lindelof hired a critic as a writing partner uh, for him, someone who is just recapping his shows very lovingly in Entertainment Weekly, no one really had anything to say about that. No one really pushed back. No one really said, like, of course, even though uh, the reason I'm attacking you, a black critic uh, for criticizing the racial elements of this show written by a white man created by a white man. The reason I'm attacking you is because you're just stupid and don't know what you're talking about. It's not because um, being in the Lendeloff orbit of one of his writers could potentially uh, change my life. And it's more than one. It's like two or three at, at least that he um, hired. So, I mean, there's a track record there. It's not even like a one-off. So, so it's not a unreasonable... Um, um, hope to get to get hired by him, you know, and I think that's something that like nobody really questions anymore. I guess the people who would question it who would question it with the platform. Yeah, the people who would care are like writers who are, do, are doing the calculus and saying, actually, I should be kissing this guy's ass. <laughs> like, like sometimes I think, like, well, shit, what what is, what is me talking shit about David Lindelof gonna do for me? <laughs> well, I just say, oh, he's great. Like, it would make <laughs> a lot of people, it would make tons of people happy, happier would be if I just said how good it was. But actually, my new move is that whenever somebody gets mad at me for uh, a particular uh, critique, I just link them to a reviewer they might like better who likes whatever I'm criticizing so the last thing I, so movie bob has been a pretty useful one for this so whenever somebody gets mad at me for not like in the last jedi i can just say hey well this guy movie bob he really liked it so why don't you uh go let, get your movie takes from him yeah he had quite the then he have quite the meltdown just recently on something <laughs> I mean, he melts down a lot that's not but even think, an exaggeration to say it's all the time he's always melted down I think his most recent one was something about the cuties Netflix controversy and he tried to die on that hill and it was like uh, don't do it man that, 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 that's, a, that's a weird one in that I never know why people can't just not comment on things sometimes like, like, like there's some things where I see them and I'm like I have not commented on cuties I will not be commenting 
Yeah, same I'm same here. Like there's a lot going on, lots of moving parts. I'm sure uh, we got our best people on it to figure it out. It's, yeah, it's a matter it, of it, I exactly. think I think it's a matter of you know it's what am I what are you especially like I think with like with Watchmen I think like and I'm sure you felt this Leslie like I feel like we kind of felt like the reason we're commenting on this is because there's there's something not being said there's a perspective here that like everyone's kind of fawning over it but like okay hang on there's something I I feel like there's another angle to this where like the show isn't nearly as woke as you people think it is but then when it comes to something like cuties, it's like, I feel like everything that has to be said about it has been said. And we're just going to keep saying the same things 15, and it, 20, 30 times. And also everyone's dug their heels in. So I think even if you had an amazing case, I doubt you're going to get anybody on one side of it to go to, to the other side. Like, like I just remembered one last thing, though, about the show, even though I was going to wrap up. I just remembered Silk Spectre is so butchered. I, I can't yes. forget to mention that. I, I think I think we should talk about that and then and then then wrap up because that really pissed me off. And I can't believe I forgot to, to mention it. But the fundamental lack of understanding of her relationship and where she resolved with um, Dr. Manhattan to the point that you make Night Owl like an afterthought. It was not even really worth mentioning, barely, except I think in that extra source material, that, that PDP stuff there was an easter egg it was there so it, oh, that there counts, i guess <laughs> yeah like i guess he went got arrested he built and he part of the deal was he gave the cops his technology like this is the main character from one of the main characters from the book and they he just like gets ridden off off screen and Lori is mad vaguely mad at him for uh some reason she's become a super cop now which makes no sense she spent her entire life being a criminal And then she like rises to the top of the FBI at the, you know, you know, young age of uh, like 35. If we're being generous, because she even after the comic ends, according to Lindelof, she spent like several years continuing to be a superhero. So it's like so this 40 year old uh, criminal shows up at the FBI and within a few years is like a senior agent uh, for some reason. And she hates costume adventurers. And and, and And she's so mean and nasty for no reason. That's not the character. and like Max says in his video, they give no reason why she would hate costume adventurers now. Like that well, wasn't her arc. It's very she, odd because it's funny enough. It is. And I actually didn't make this comparison, but I should have. It's very similar to how a lot of people felt about um, Luke Skywalker in, in Star Wars, where with Lori, a lot of people said, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, it, it makes sense why she's like this in the series, because, you know, who her father was and who her mother was. And she's kind of, and like how Lindelof said, she's destined to be like her parents. But the entire point of the comic was that Laurie, by the end, reconciles her past. She faces what she's afraid of. And the ending is supposed to like say like, oh, she's going to go off and not become like her mother and not become like her father. She's going to be something different. And then to have all of that character development just get erased and say, yeah, in 30 years, she's going to be miserable and pessimistic just like her parents it's like wait and, and hung and hung up and hung up on her on her ex who as, as leslie pointed out in a separate conversation we had her whole arc was getting over him and how he didn't meet her emotional needs like and now you mean that she pines for him to the point that she has a blue dildo but but this is i find it i want to which find makes no out. sense which it, it makes why would the why would the was the blue the blue was not what attracted her to him i don't think and his penis wasn't giant it is just like extremely like bizarre and like 
mean and came across as really like sexist. And I say that because Lindelof specifically criticized how Alan Moore portrayed women in the comic and said that he was going to do better. And then when we get this Lori character, he's completely rewritten her as this bizarrely mean, like shrewd type like character. And she's carrying around a big blue dildo before she then goes and sleeps with a junior agent who is half her age for no apparent reason whatsoever it's just truly like a bizarre like dismantling of what was a very interesting uh character all right so that was a preview if you like what you hear and want to hear the rest of the episode and a hundred more episodes then by all means go over to patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks take care y'all